pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. You shoot up a school, gunning down young people. Then you go in front of a judge and demand that no photos of the bodies of the victims be shown in court. Okay, that's not how it works. You shoot the people dead. You plead not guilty. And then you demand that nobody see the evidence. Okay, somebody needs a little refresher and the evidence code. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thanks for being with us here at Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111. That's right. The man who gunned down four students dead and injured seven others at a Michigan school shooting does not want the crime scene, including the dead bodies, shown in court. Ethan Crumley also trying to stop prosecutors from showing security footage of the killing spree at Oxford High School. And just for good measure, his lawyer also wants to bar a video of him torturing a bird. Okay, just let that sink in for a moment. I'm talking about Ethan Crumley on trial for mass murder, a school shooting. How did the whole thing go down? Take a listen to Pierre Thomas, ABC. Student John Edwards describing the chaos to our affiliate WXYZ. Over the PA, we hear our principal, Mr. Wolf, shouting, Alice lockdown, Alice lockdown. And then we heard the gunshots in the class. And so we locked down, turned the lights off. Our teacher got paper, taped over the window on the door, and got his two big tables and barricaded the door. I was just scared. I was praying for, you know, my safety, my friend's safety, you know, everyone's safety. Edwards able to call his mother. I could hear the fear in his voice. And I told him, I said, baby, I'm on my way. I've never been so scared in my life. School officials left reeling. Of course, I'm shocked. It's devastating. Really? Shocked and devastated? I'm sure that teacher was. But guess what? There were warning signs and lots of them. Not everyone should be should be so shocked, and that includes some school officials and mommy and daddy. Why did so many students have to die? I mean, young students. Can you imagine 
all the times my students, my children, your children, other students in school have practiced lockdowns. And this teacher, I think a hero teacher, goes into goes into lockdown mode, locking the door to the classroom, barricading the door to the classroom, turning the lights off so the shooter can't see through into the classroom, putting paper up so the shooter can't see through and take pot shots at students hiding inside the classroom. Things we've learned from so many other school shootings. Take a listen and brace yourself. Uh, it's classroom video. Yes. Sheriff's office. Safe to come out. Yeah, it's safe to come out. Now we're not willing to take that risk right now. I can't hear you. We're not taking that risk right now. Okay, well, come to the door. Look at my bag, bro. No. Yeah, bro. He said, no. he said bro. He said bro. Red flag. You can hear the students um, hustling and rustling, trying to get out windows, trying to find a way out. You can hear a teacher saying, put down your bags, forget your bags, just get out. That's actual sound from the school shooting. And if you can let yourself, let your mind go there. Imagine your children in that situation trying to put down their bags and get out a window, sneak out any way they can after they hear gunshots ringing out in the hall. Mommy and daddy go on the run after their son does that. The baby face killer with me, an all-star panel, Troy Slayton, high-profile lawyer, joining us out of L.A., Dr. Jory Crosen, psychologist, faculty, St. Leo University, and consultant, op- author of Operation SOS, Bobby Chacon, 27 years with the FBI at bobbychacon.com. Dr. Tim Gallagher joining us, the medical examiner for the entire state of Florida. You can find him at pathcaremed.com. But joining us right now, crimeonline.com investigative reporter Alexis Terezchuk. Alexis, your son is approaching the age of these students. Did you hear that mother? saying she was telling her son, baby, I'm on the way, I'm on the way, I'm on the way, like she could do anything about it. I'm just overwhelmed at all the warning signs, and, and, and these victims are so young. Alexis, how old are the victims that lost their lives? These kids were so young. So there were four students. Madison was 14. Juliana was 15. Kate is seven was 17 and Justin was 17. None of these kids were even 18 years old yet. Two of them couldn't even drive yet. One of them just 14 years old. What exactly happened? Take a listen to our cut 10. The drama unfolded at Oxford High School outside Detroit. We're in lockdown right now. Teachers and students rushed to barricade the doors. 
Police disarmed the 15-year-old shooter within five minutes, but four students were killed and seven others wounded, including a teacher. 16-year-old Tate Meir died a hero, trying to disarm the shooter. Everything about us is tough. Tate Meir was number 42 on the football team. Today, there's a petition to name the school stadium after him. Madison Baldwin was a bright 17-year-old senior. Amid the chaos after the shooting, her grandmother appealed for information on Facebook. Please help. My granddaughter Madison cannot be located. Please ask your children if they've seen her. Sadly, Madison was among those slain. Hannah St. Juliana is the youngest victim, just 14 years old. She was a talented volleyball player. Just thinking about this little girl, 14 years old. She's a volleyball player just like my daughter. And I think Dr. Jory Cross and psychologist joining us, faculty St. Leo University, I think a lot of people think, oh, that's in a different state. That's in a different community. That would never happen in my community. It's happening everywhere. You can't disassociate yourself from what's happening at this school by saying, oh, 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 that's somewhere other than where I live. Because you remember the whole thing started really or came into our consciousness at uh, Columbine. And then there's been so many after that. Go ahead. Yeah, you think we would learn, especially after Columbine, and there are certain protocols that have been put in place for counselors and psychologists to follow in dealing with students like this. And uh, I see some of those that weren't followed. Well, yeah, uh, but from what I heard, a lot of those were being followed, but it can't save you from a school shooter from within the school. stories with Nancy Grace. The prosecutor plans to show all of this evidence in court for a mandatory procedure during which the judge will determine whether life without parole is appropriate for the crimes. How could Ethan Crumbly or his lawyer with a straight face ask the judge not to show crime scene photos of the four dead bodies plus apparently a video of Crumley torturing a bird in aggravation at sentencing. They all need to review the evidence code. That November 30th, Crumley left a boy's bathroom at the school and opened fire with a 9mm semi-automatic pistol gunning down four classmates. Teens Tate Meyer, Madison Baldwin, Hannah St. Juliana, and Justin Schilling, seven others injured in his hail of gunfire. This case drew national attention, not just because of the horrific nature of the school massacre, but because Crumley's parents also facing involuntary manslaughter charges. This is the first time in America parents charged in a mass shooting when the teen child is the one who pulled the trigger. Yes, it was an unprecedented move when a Michigan Court of Appeals ordered the parents, James and Jennifer Crumley, to go on trial for the deadly mass shooting by their son. 
I'm quoting from the courtroom. The record squarely supports that but for the parents' acts and omissions, Ethan Crumley would not have killed the victims that day. They're referring to their failure to properly secure the gun, to remove their son from school when he made overt threats to hurt other people, and for purchasing their mentally disturbed son a handgun. What happened? Alexis Tereschuk, there were a lot of red flags. Uh, For instance, take a listen to our cut 14. This is Linda Schmidt, Fox 5. A lieutenant provided new details about the shooting. The school security video shows Ethan exit a a bathroom in the hallway and begin shooting at students. Students then barricading themselves in classrooms behind stacks of desks and chairs. Others (laughs) racing out of school to safety. Officers say they have a journal written by Ethan Crumbly taken from his backpack where he expresses his desire to murder students as well as two videos recovered from Crumbly's cell phone. A video made by him the night before the incident, um, wherein he talked about shooting and killing students the next day at Oxford High School. The prosecutor saying the teenager planned the mass shooting. I am absolutely sure after reviewing the evidence that it isn't even a close call. It was absolutely premeditated. The teenager and his parents had spoken with school officials that morning at the school about some concerning behavior in class. But authorities say there was no indication of a possible shooting. Concerning behavior in class? Alexis Tereschek, what concerning behavior in class? There were... A teacher saw that he had done a drawing, Ethan did a drawing, which showed a person being shot with a gun on it and blood everywhere. So he, you know, where students doodle who they love or who they, you know, were their favorite artists in in class. He was doing a doodling of a murder scene and it it was talking on there about shooting it and it just said, help me, help me. I don't, I I don't get it. Uh, Why wasn't he taken out of class right then, that minute? There is no time for what ifs in these situations. Of course, in a perfect world, you want someone treated the moment they began having an emotional mental issue, Bobby Chacon. But when a teacher sees gun, blood, I want to kill my other students, that's when he gets taken out pronto. Uh, that's what I'm asking yeah, you. Yeah, Nancy, I, I don't even see this as almost him in pain. It looks to me like he was reveling in, in, in he was in fantasizing about carrying this thing out. He wanted to do this. He was planning on doing it. And, and he had some, and he had two parents who probably knew he was going to do it. Um, oh. And then they provided him the means to do it. Um, so this is an egregious case. I'm sick about it, Bobby. I'm sick. And I know I'm preaching to the choir right here, right now, because everybody on this panel has dealt with something similar to this. But Bobby Chacon, I mean, you were one of the uh, feds, the FBI, that pulled the body parts of Samantha Koenig out of the water. Okay. You've seen this. She was a teen like this. My point is, Yeah, I want everyone, not just teens, but everyone that has a mental or emotional crisis to be treated, of course. But that's a day late and a dollar short short as far as I'm concerned right now. Guys, how in the hay did he get a gun? Uh, 15 years old. And listen to this. It's a six hour. Take a listen 
to our cut 17. James Crumbly purchased a Sig Sauer 9mm model SP 2022 from Acme Shooting Goods in Oxford, Michigan on November 26, 2021. A store employee confirms that Ethan Crumbly was present with James at the time of the purchase. Per statute, James Crumbly completed ATF Form 309A, 5309A. On or about November 26, 21, Ethan Crumbly's social media posts reveal photos of the semi-automatic handgun, along with the caption, just got my new beauty today, including an emoji with hearts, Sig Sauer 9mm, any questions I will answer, end quote. Subsequent to the purchase of that weapon, one of Jennifer Crumbly's social media posts on about 11-27-21 read, quote, Mom and Sunday testing out his new Christmas present, end quote. And they posted that. Explain that to me, Alexis Reschuk. The mom, Jennifer Crumley, she was put on her social media the day after the dad and, and Ethan went to purchase the gun, but she was spending the day with her son trying out his new Christmas present. So they were going somewhere to practice mm-hmm, firing mm-hmm, the gun. Mm-hmm. These are not the only guns in the house. There are videos, police news videos, of police officers carrying armloads of weapons out of the home. They appear to be long barrel rifles. So this is not the only firearm. Okay. So, Alexis Tereschuk, I understand how you feel about gun control. I also approve of certain gun controls myself. I don't like guns. I'm a victim of gun violence. My fiance was murdered. I get it. But Troy Slayton, in this country, it's not a crime to keep guns in your home, especially when you have them being kept pursuant to the law. Right? That's correct, Nancy. And Michigan does not have a strong or really any uh, child access prevention laws. So it was not illegal uh, for the parents to keep guns in the house, and there was no requirement in their state to have those guns uh, locked in a gun safe or with trigger locks on them. So as much as we don't like the way the guns were kept, and I don't like a teen boy having access to a gun without parental supervision in any way, that's the law there. And as of right now, they can cart out a hundred long guns in that jurisdiction, and it is not a crime. But I want you to take a listen to our cut 19. This is the Oakland County Prosecutor, Karen McDonald. Listen. On November 30th, 21, the morning of the shooting, the next day, Ethan Crumbly's teacher came upon a note on Ethan's desk, which alarmed her to the point that she took a picture of it on her cell phone. The note contained the following. A drawing of a semi-automatic handgun pointing at the words, quote, the thoughts won't stop, help me, end quote. In another section of the note was a drawing of a bullet with the following words above that bullet, quote, blood everywhere, end quote. Between the drawing of the gun and the bullet is a drawing of a person who appears to have been shot twice and bleeding. Below that figure is a drawing of a laughing emoji. Further down the drawing are the words, quote, my life is useless, end quote. And to the right of that are the words, quote, the world is dead, end quote. 
Let me go to Dr. Tim Gallagher, joining us, the medical examiner for the entire state of Florida at pathcaremed.com. He's a lecturer, University of Florida Med School in Forensic Medicine, the founder and host of the International Forensic Medicine Death Investigation Conference. I could go on. Dr. Gallagher, thank you for being with us. Based on the wounds that we believe the children suffered, do you believe that they died instantly or did they lie there in pain hearing all of the chaos and the screams and the gunshots around them? Well, without knowing exactly, you know, where they were shot and what organs were destroyed in their bodies, um, I'd have to say that the uh, most likely thing would be they, they are young, they are healthy, they have no other diseases, they don't have any diabetes or, or obesity or anything like that, that they have very good resilience to a gunshot wound. So my uh, first impression would be that because they are healthy and they did receive a wound, that they would be able to resist uh, succumbing immediately to it. And so my impression would be that there was a lot of suffering going on before they finally succumbed to their wounds. Ethan Crumley, school shooter and his lawyer, insists the judge not allow crime scene photos, including the victim's dead bodies at the school, be allowed in court. Okay, that doesn't even make sense. What happened? Back to you, Alexis Therese Chuck. What were their ages again? Anna was 14. Kate was 16, Justin was 17, and Madison was 17. These are all such young children. Then, and you know what? Kate was actually taken. One of the police officers who responded to the scene, Kate was still alive when he responded. He didn't even wait for the ambulance. He, I'm going to cry. It makes me so sad. Um, he grabbed Kate and put him in his car to rush him to the hospital. And he died in his car. Sorry. You know, Alexis, when I heard the audio that one of the teens had made and you could hear them rustling around trying to get out windows and the teacher going, put down your backpack, forget that, just get out. I just, I can't help it. I put, I superimposed my children, John, David and Lucy into that situation. And it's almost more than I can bear, especially upsetting are the warning signals. Take a listen to our cut 20. James and Jennifer Crumbly were immediately summoned to the school. A school counselor came to the classroom and removed the shooter and brought him to the office with his backpack. Counselor obtained the drawing, but the shooter had already altered it. The drawings of the gun and the bloody figure were scratched out along with the words, help me, and my life is useless. The world is dead and blood everywhere. Those were all um, altered by him. As the meeting, at the meeting, James and Jennifer Crumbly were shown the drawing and were advised that they were required to get the sh- their son into counseling within 48 hours. Both James and Jennifer Crumbly failed to ask their son if he had his gun with him or where his gun was located and failed to inspect his backpack for the presence of the gun, which he had with him. James and Jennifer Crumbly resisted the idea of then leaving the school at that time, of of their son leaving the school at that time. Instead, James and Jennifer Crumbly left the high school without their son. He was returned to the classroom. Is it true, Alexis Tereshchuk, that the Oxford High School counselors allowed Ethan Crumbly to stay in class, go back in class the day of the shooting 
after he claimed the graphic drawing of blood and bullets was part of his plan to make a video game. He actually duped them. Yes, that is absolutely true. In fact, while he was he was taken out of the classroom when the teacher saw the drawing, he, in fact, they had called his, te- his parents the day before because te- another teacher had seen him on his cell phone searching, Googling ammunition. That raised the first red flag. So the school called the parents immediately. They did not respond to the school. But they, the prosecutor has announced that his mom sent him a text. Jennifer sent Ethan a text that said, I'm not mad at you, LOL. You just need to learn not to get caught. So he was the day before he'd been searching for ammunition. The school sent a warning flag to the parents and the mom thought it was an LOL joke, which is laugh out loud. Okay, you need to tell me that very slowly again. The day before the school, a teacher caught Ethan Crumley scrolling, what, through his iPhone looking for ammunition. Could you explain that again? Yes, a teacher saw him on his phone searching, searching for ammunition, gun ammunition. They, this was a red flag to the teacher. The teacher called somebody at the school. The, the school alerted his parents. They left the parents a message. The parents did not respond is what the prosecutors have said. Instead, one after the shooting happened, when they had Ethan's phone, they saw a text message from his mom that said, I'm not mad at you. You just need to learn how to not get caught, LOL. What is that to you, Dr. Jory Cross, is just complete denial? On the school part system? Oh, I the see mom. The mom. Her son. Oh, and what, is, what is he doing scrolling through ammunition at school anyway? Why wasn't that phone taken away or some reprimand of some sort? Why, why is he looking at that during class? Well, again, you go back to the Michigan law. That's not against the law. It may be a red flag, but once the red flag's up there, they didn't respond properly to it. What I'm saying is, why is he scrolling on his phone during school anyway? That said the parents don't even call back alexis they did not they the school what so far that what we've learned from the schools they did not call back but then they were there the next day and then when ethan's phone was taken after the shooting they saw this text message and this is one of the the reasons this is what the prosecutor had said sort of laying out the timeline of what happened we hear about mom texting the day before when he's caught scrolling for ammo and she says Just don't get caught next time. L-O-L. Well, those aren't the only texts we're learning about from mom. And maybe this is one of the reasons all they saw of her were elbows and tail hole on the run, running the other way. Take a listen to our Cut 21. When the news of the active shooter at Oxford High School had been made public, Jennifer Crumbly texted to her son at 1122, I'm sorry, at 122 p.m., quote, Ethan, don't do it. End quote. At 1.37 p.m., James Crumbly called 911, reporting that a gun was missing from his house and he believed his son may be the shooter. Further investigation revealed that the six-hour nine-millimeter handgun purchased by James Crumbly was stored unlocked in a drawer in James and Jennifer's bedroom. The gun recovered from the shooter at the school after the shooting was the same gun that was purchased by his father, James Crumbly. Take a listen to why charges are being brought against Crumbly's parents. Here's cut 22. This is the prosecutor. 
The facts of this case are so egregious. Reading this document, looking at it, reading the words, help me, with a gun, blood everywhere. This doesn't just have impact me as a prosecutor and a lawyer, it impacts me as a mother. The notion that a parent could read those words and also know that their son had access to a deadly weapon that they gave him is unconscionable and, it, and I think it's criminal. I, I, it is criminal. Explain to me, Alexis Treschuk, what the charges are against the parents. There are four counts of involuntary manslaughter. That is because four people have died from this. So they are involuntary manslaughter is where it wasn't directly their fault. They didn't pull the trigger, but they are responsible for the death of these four people. Guys, take a listen to our cut six. It puts you in the location at the time of the shootings. This is Mary McDonald, WDIV Local 4. The accused shooter's behavior had raised red flags before yesterday. We have since learned that the schools did have contact with the student the day before and the day of the shooting. Yesterday before the shooting, that 15-year-old's parents were brought to school for a face-to-face meeting with school administrators over his classroom behavior. Just under three hours later, school cameras recorded him. And what's depicted on that video Honestly, Judge, I don't have the words to describe how horrific that was. The accused shooter seen coming out of a bathroom and firing, aiming for students' heads with a gun his father bought last Friday. Aiming for students' heads, obviously going into the bathroom to get the gun locked and loaded. It was a Sig Sauer 9 SP2020. You don't play with that. A 9 millimeter. I want to go to you, Bobby Chacon, explain what a nine six hour is. Well, it's a semi-automatic pistol, which means that, um, you know, you can fire it fairly rapidly. Um, it probably held anywhere between 10 and 15 bullets in each magazine. He had extra magazines with him, um, which means he, he was planning on killing probably a lot more people than this. Um, and so this is a this is a gun that's commonly used in, in, in by both criminals and law enforcement it is a very effective weapon especially especially at close range like he was shooting crime stories with nancy grace the infamous michigan school shooter does not want bodies of his victims shown in court. That's not going to work. What are the facts of the case? So this kid has a Sig Sauer semi 9 millimeter, 10 to 15 bullets per mag with extra mags. Now, what about the parents? Take a listen to our cut 26, 7 Action News. Tonight, U.S. Marshals posted a $10,000 reward in the case. James and Jennifer Crumbly are wanted on charges of involuntary manslaughter in the mass shooting that put their 15-year-old son behind bars. The search goes on as thousands gathered in Oxford tonight to mourn the tragic loss of life at the high school on Tuesday. And now we learn the U.S. Marshals get in on it. That means they're on the run. On the run. That's what the U.S. Marshals do. They are government bounty hunters. When you get the U.S. Marshals on your tail, you're in trouble. Tell me about them going on the run, Alexis Reschuk. So the shooting took place on Tuesday. Thursday afternoon, 
the police were still observing them. They had kept an eye on the family the whole time. They, the mom and dad had actually moved into a hotel because I, you know, there were probably so many people at their home. So they were in a hotel. Everybody kept an eye on them. Friday morning, nothing had been announced. There had been no charges announced. The police stopped their surveillance of the couple. Shortly thereafter, the prosecutor announced the charges. And there, the prosecutor, I believe, had spoken to the police officer, and they were given, I'm sorry, spoken to the defense attorney. They were given a 4 o'clock deadline to turn themselves in. 4 o'clock came and went. They did not turn themselves in. And, in fact, the sheriff then says, at this point, there was no contact with them at all. The sheriff said, he went on television to a news channel and said, we have not heard from them. They have turned off their cell phones, and their attorneys have not been able to reach them which meant that there was no communication. So that's when they put out the, I guess they're calling it a bolo, be on the lookout. Mm -hmm. The U.S. Marshals offered the $10,000 reward. Troy Slayton is just like Ghislaine Maxwell, who goes on the run. Nobody can find her. She's posting false leads like at an In-N-Out Burger in L.A. when she's really hiding out in New Hampshire. And what does that say about a parent willing to run for the Canadian border when their son needs them more than he's ever needed them in his whole life? Take a listen to Megan Fitzgerald, NBC. This morning, James and Jennifer Crumbly are in custody after an hours-long manhunt led to their arrest overnight. Vehicle is a black Kia. It's the possible vehicle of the two parents of the Oxford situation. The couple found hiding in a commercial building after police received a tip. They certainly appeared to be distressed. Authorities say the parents of accused Michigan school shooter Ethan Crumbly failed to show up for their arraignment Friday. They were finally captured hours later and he's charged with involuntary manslaughter. You know, uh, gun control experts say the move to charge the parents is almost unheard of. What do you make of the charges, Troy Slayton? Well, Michigan doesn't have the child access prevention laws. So if they didn't do anything illegal, then the government will have to show, prosecutors at their trial will have to prove that they acted so recklessly, so beyond the pale that any other normal, average, reasonable person would do that a person would know that acting so recklessly would lead to someone's death. Would you agree that it's very rare for parents to be charged? This is very rare. And you are saying that in Michigan, there is no what kind of statute did you say? No child access prevention laws with regard to firearms. No rule that they have to keep guns locked up, ammunition separate, away when there's a child in the house. For example, in California, where I live, in New York, in many other states, it's illegal if you have a child in the house or a child come visit the but, house. Troy, certainly you're not suggesting that because there's not a, a, a black and white statute that they still did not know that the other students were in danger after reading that note and knowing he had access to a brand new Sig Sauer? By that same argument, Nancy, the school officials should know. Are we also going to charge the, the school, school officials didn't know he had a gun? But they knew that there was something that was so alarming that he was searching ammunition 
that they thought to take him out of class temporarily and then put him back in the class. You're artfully avoiding my question. I didn't ask you about them. I asked you about the parents. And by your avoiding the topic, I assume that you agree with me. You know, the district superintendent informed the parents and staff members Saturday that the parents never told the school he had access to a gun. What do you make of that, Troy? I don't know how the gun was stored inside the house. There were some there are some reports that the gun was locked. Maybe the kid found a key and got access to it. We don't know yet what measures the parents took mm-hmm. to secure the firearm. We don't know whether they handed it to the kid on a silver platter or whether somehow the kid went uh, around some sort of uh system that the parents had in place to secure the weapons. We we do know that within minutes of the shooting, the father called 911 and said he thinks his son might have a gun. I mean, the father made that act. That's an act that the father did that shows that he knew it was very likely that his son had that weapon. He made a 911 call to that effect. Alexis Teresha, where were the parents found exactly? They were found in a commercial building. It was actually an an art gallery is where they were found, but they were hiding in a locked room inside the gallery. Hiding in a locked room inside a gallery. Now I understand the owner of the gallery claims he didn't know anything about this. He did. You know, well, he's the artist. I I believe someone else owns the whole building. He's an artist. He said that when they called him, they said, we are getting death threats. Can we come there? And he said, yes. He says this was before any charges were filed against him. They were there. He left. He said he expected them to leave. He didn't know anything about the charges that were filed. Ethan Crumley, school shooter, and his lawyer insist the judge not allow crime scene photos, including the victim's dead bodies at the school, be allowed in court. Nancy, Ethan Crumley and his attorneys did not get their request. Oakland County Judge Kwame Rowe denied Crumley's request. Judge Rowe did review the crime scene footage and images of the victims. He is the only one evaluating the evidence at the special hearing in which the judge will determine whether a life without parole sentence is appropriate. Testimony in that hearing ended Friday. A date has been set for sentencing. Take a listen to CBS Detroit. The Miller hearing for the Oxford High School shooter has concluded after four days. And now we wait for the judge to make a decision on the teen who has already pled guilty to all counts, including first degree murder. Miller hearings are required to determine whether a mandatory life sentence without the possibility of parole can be handed down for convicted criminals who were juveniles at the time of the crime. So here's what happens next. The judge will announce his decision on September 29th. Sentencing is set for December 8th. Right now, our prayers with the victims' families. We wait as justice unfolds. Goodbye, friend.